0: Yo, what up? It's your boy, Cole Shep. This podcast is brought to you by my boy, Joey T. And Tyrese Maxi. But right now, you know, we just maxing on the courts. Hailing from the streets of South Philly. Sometimes it gets a little hectic out there. But right now, we go up you on how we just chill.
1: What is going on? Trust the podcast listeners. Welcome back. I'm your host, Joe Tooman. As always, we're keeping up with the draft content that we've been going towards recently we did the mock draft recently but now we're doing a little bit something a little bit different we're doing a redraft of the 2012 NBA draft it's the 10-year anniversary this year I thought it'd be really interesting to look back at it there's a lot of former Sixers in this draft which I was surprised by and joining me to help me redraft is once again Chris Reynolds thanks for joining me today Chris I appreciate you coming on
0: (laughs) no problem I actually really like these redraftables things it's gonna be fun to do
1: Yeah, it is a lot of fun because it's just, it's always interesting to see how things shook out compared to where they were expected. So we'll get right into it right here, you know, going, taking a look back at 2012, right after the lockout season. So there's only 66 games that year. That was the first championship for the Heat team. They beat the Thunder back when they had Harden to go with Durant and Westbrook. Chris, you have the first pick that belongs to, at the time, the New Orleans Hornets, Obviously, now the Pelicans, they weren't the worst team in the league that year. They won the lottery. Some people thought it was a little fixed by David Stern because they had just traded Chris Paul. New Orleans as a team was in trouble. People thought they might move to Seattle, stuff like that. And then they wound up winning the lottery and they took Anthony Davis, who was supposed to be a generational talent. And I'm sure we're about to get into uh, what our thoughts on Anthony Davis are. So you have this pick. Who are you taking in the redraft? Is it still Anthony Davis?
0: Of course, it's still Anthony Davis. This is the first pick and it was the right pick. There's other great people, but AD, even though he might not have been as amazing as we thought, he still is a great player. So no matter what, you have to take him first. And then coming out of the draft, he just a power forward center type with a huge wingspan, like Tim Duncan-esque defense. He's seen him now. He's a great number two. He could be a number one on a really bad team. And then we could just talk about if we expected more from him, but He actually, he was a champ in 2020, made the play other times, carried the team. And he does have a lot of injuries, but it's not as many as you think. It's not like smaller ones, not a huge ones. So I feel like you'd agree that he has to be the first pick, right?
1: I do agree. I think there would have been a debate. Like if we were on ESPN, a talk show, I'm sure someone would have said Damian Lillard, but I agree with you mainly because of that championship that you mentioned. I think Anthony Davis Mm -hmm. For all of his things that might hold him back at times, he was crucial for the Lakers championship in 2020, he put up like 27 a game, first team, all defense, cal- uh, candidate for de- defensive player of the year. And also his playoff run in 2018, where he eviscerated Dame in the Blazers and then they lost to yep. Golden State, but he was incredible that year. So just those two seasons alone backed up by his like all-star seasons, other years I think raise him to still be the first pick. And of course, He was the right pick for New Orleans here. Now, just to get into why some people think he was a bit of a disappointment, you mentioned the injuries. I found this stat of 801 possible regular season games. He's only played 606, which Mm. still seems like a lot. But if you put it all together, like you said, a lot of nagging injuries. He's always got a knee or a finger or something keeping him down for 20 games each year. Obviously, last year was maybe his most injury-prone season yet even though Westbrook was a big problem for the Lakers, I think the Lakers still make the playoffs. if Anthony Davis plays yeah, 70% sure. of the games that didn't happen coming out of Kentucky. They won the national championship. He was a force on both ends. He even was on the Olympic team in 2012 before he'd even played an NBA game. That's how highly they thought of him to put him on that team. And like you said, he was considered a Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett level two way player prospect. And while he did make a top 75 team, he's made four all NBA teams, all first team. Interestingly, he's never made second or third team, only the first team, um, all defense four times. But, you know, it's what is his legacy is the real question. He is a great player, probably a Hall of Famer. But in your opinion, should he have been more than what he was, even though he is a good player?
0: At that point, of him only being on the first team it just proves when healthy, he's a top five-ish player where... His defense alone makes him like one of the best players. And then his offense, the career average, like 23 game highest so was like 27. Then Dame might be a better purely offense to carry the load. But what he could do defensively changes the game. Anytime there's a LeBron matchup in the bubble, it's like, yeah, LeBron's there. But the real key for the matchup is AD because no one can guard him. And that's right. just like one position that's rare to get someone that big that can move like he does. But I think he just the has to be the first pick based on how special he is for that size.
1: I agree. And just to wrap it up, I would just say going forward for him, he's not even 30 yet. I do think his prime is coming to an end because I think he's just breaking down. Similar to guys like Blake Griffin, who was who was great at his peak, but just the injuries caught up to him. But even what Anthony Davis did in the first decade of his career, I think he's certainly a Hall of Famer and still deserves to go first in this draft. Because there's, a, as we'll get to, a lot of good players in this draft, mm-hmm. but no like superstar LeBron KD level guy. So I think he still deserves to go first in this draft. So that brings me to the second overall pick held by the Charlotte Bobcats. So the first two picks in this draft are teams that no longer exist or they changed their name. Uh, So Charlotte was the worst team in that 2012 season. They only won nine games, which they didn't play 82 games, so it isn't as bad as like my Sixers when we went 10 and 72. But they had the lowest wins in a single season for a number of all time, but they lose the lottery. They only get the second pick. They originally take AD's Kentucky teammate, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, who, you know, is a defensive prospect. He had maybe the worst jump shot in NBA history. And even though he had a decently long career with Charlotte, he just never was able to reach even remotely close to that second overall pick uh, status. But I got to take Damian Lillard here, who's clearly, I think, the second best player in this draft. One of my favorite non-Sixers ever. He's a six-time All-Star, was a senior at Weber State coming out. He goes sixth overall, as we'll get to in a little bit. 2013 Rookie of the Year. He's played his whole career in Portland, which is a topic we can address. But when I look at him, one of the most clutch players of this generation, his 2019 playoff run, him and CJ get the, the Blazers to the Western Finals. That team wasn't amazing. Like, if you look at the rest of that team, it's like Aminu and Harkless and Evan Turner. No one too crazy. And he's a great scorer. He even averaged 30 points. I think it was in the 2020 season, he averaged 30 a game. And, you know, you can say that he's never really won anything, but I also would argue he hasn't really been given the the supporting cast necessary to lift him to a status like Jimmy Butler right now with the heat, who, you know, whether it was with Minnesota or Chicago, never really had a great supporting cast, but now he has Miami. And now he's in the finals or he was in the finals in 2020, made the Eastern finals this year. You know, Dame, besides CJ, never really had that. I think he needs to leave Portland. I don't know why he hasn't asked out yet. He refuses to leave. I think Portland needs to trade him and kickstart a rebuild, but that doesn't change what he accomplished in the first decade of his career. So what do you think about Dame in Charlotte here? And just any extra thoughts about him for his career so far?
0: I mean, this is going to be good for Dame because we've seen him on a terrible team. So, you know, (laughs) I can carry they do already have Kemba, so who knows what would happen right. there. They might have to trade Kemba, but you have to take game if he's here because it's one of the best point guards that we've seen this generation. The three point shooting was even more valuable now. He is a clutch player, but you look in the playoffs, he doesn't he's not as amazing as I thought in the playoffs. Like he has some series where he's like twenty-two a game, which is still good, but it's not like the thirty yeah. that we know now. But what he's turned into to carry a team is special. The only issue with him is can't get deep in the playoffs and the one year they did make it to the conference finals was against golden state and they had no I shot got
1: they got smoked yeah i yeah. would say about dame the the two things everyone will remember for him for and he's a great player deserves to be remembered for everything he accomplished but there's the two buzzer beaters are iconic against houston in 2014 and then especially against the thunder in the 2019 playoffs. pretty much ends you your guy westbrook that pretty much ended yeah him. You know, that
0: year, I believed in the Thunder and Paul George who was third MVP voting. And then Dame just hit that shot over Paul George. I just destroyed any playoff <laughs> hope I had. Besides that, I was a Dame guy. But 2014, uh, beat the Rockets in first playoffs, then lost in the finals. 2015, lost the opening round. 2016, they beat the Clippers when they lost to V3, then lost in the semifinals. 2017, swept by the Warriors. 2018, swept by the Pelicans. 2019 was the conference finals. 2020 lost in the first round. Like in the 2021, they lost in the first round to the Nuggets. A lot of playoff losses in the first or second round, and it's it's underwhelming for a guy that you think of his caliber. But it's honestly just the team around him. So I don't know if that would change in Charlotte. It wouldn't but, change
1: in Charlotte at all. Yeah, especially the way they were run. But they still have, you still have to take him second in a redraft, no matter where yeah. he would. What, no matter how it would have wound up in Charlotte. So you have this next pick, the Washington Wizards who at this time, they had John Wall. They were looking for a guy to pair with him, and they got it here at their third pick, Bradley Beal, still with the team, kind of like Dean, a similar situation. It's time to leave, yeah. you no. Know? But do you still think Beal is the third pick, or is there a certain other guy you might think deserves to go here?
0: At first, I thought it could be Bradley Beal, and then I was like, no, it could be Chris Middleton. And then I realized I was just being mean towards Draymond because he annoys me whenever I watch a game. But it has to be Draymond, in my opinion. Interesting. So you already have uh, John Wall. And that was really it. But it's a weird fit. And I think Draymond's scary because on the right team, he's amazing. Because we saw Draymond on a team that doesn't win. He was not great. But he's a four-time yeah. All-Star, three-time champion, four if he didn't get suspended, uh-huh. two-time All-BA, one of them was second team, one of them was third team, 2017 defensive player of the year, seventeen uh, on all, seven times on all defense, four first teams. His issues were his lack of shooting except for that one year. But I think defensively right. his impact – is where it really matters, where I forget how good Draymond was defensively because I see him now and see the backpack-looking shot when it looks like he's like hunched over yeah. and a lot of yelling now. But you should remember watching those finals against LeBron. When LeBron was guarded by him, was like, oh, LeBron can't drive past him every time he wants. One of the most valuable things in this league is the ability to guard a wing, or guard a forward like LeBron. Draymond does that. And although there's other guys that can score the ball more, I think if you're the Wizards, you want a guy in the same conference as LeBron. I would take Draymond.
1: Okay, yeah, that's that's an interesting point. I had Beal, but we'll get to okay. Beal next pick. But and I'll explain why. But looking at Draymond, like you mentioned, great defender. He's pretty much the ultimate role player ever. You mentioned the year he could shoot. That was the seventy three and nine year. He made second yeah. team all NBA. He might have. Le- he was a legitimately like a top fifteen player in the league. He goes thirty yeah. fifth overall in this draft. We're going to get to this, but Golden State passed on him twice. They had two first-rounders, yeah. and they didn't take him either time. They still get lucky, and they wind up with him at 35. He's a bench guy for Mark Jackson those first two years. Steve Kerr comes, and you know he recognizes where the league is going. He makes the switch. He moves David Lee to the bench. Draymond comes, becomes the power forward. They win the 2015 title, and then the next year, Draymond just goes up another level making almost 40% of his threes. It's weird because his offensive game, once Durant came, kind of fell off, but he -hmm. was still a great defender, and also his playmaking is also crazy. I mean, he's one of the few forwards who can average seven, eight assists a game. Even now, he's still a key cog, you know, maybe not quite as good as he was, but still pretty much the, the motor that keeps that team running.
0: As a playmaker. Yeah, we saw and Golden State without him, and Seth and Clay just don't get the same shots they get. Yeah. And honestly, John Wall is not a great fit with him because John Wall is a great playmaker and not a shooter. Right. But if you look at Draymond also back in his prime compared to now, like he could score, especially in big moments. Game 7 against the Cavs in 2016 when they lost the lead. Draymond yeah. had, went 6 for 8 from 3 on 11 of 15 shooting and had 32 points. Did he? I, I don't was, remember that. He had 32 points? I remember one. Yes, I remember wow. watching that game being like, this guy cannot miss a three. Seth had 17. Clay had 14. Jeremiah had 32. Mm-hmm. He had nine assists and 15 rebounds. He almost had a triple-double in the game seven. He that. was one was assist kidding. shy, so no one talks about it. But yeah. he was carrying the Warriors that game. Jeremiah said in his podcast, "And yeah, hey, I knew I was going to win finals MVP of that series. If I didn't get suspended, we won. Yeah. That's true, because he was their best player. Like He was playing like their best player yeah, in that, that series. series.
1: yeah. And that kind of you just kind of alluded to the 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 problem some people have with Draymond is his you know his attitude on the court, Again, the technicals. Obviously, he gets suspended uh, for that Game Six, which allows the Cavs pretty much to complete that three-one comeback. Just stuff in that playoffs is like remember when he was low kicking Steven Adams in the balls like three different times. It was, it was that really wild. upset me. Even now, he's getting like like ejected or he'll be yelling at the refs. But that's just the competitive fire he brings and. You know, there's the one video where he names all the people in this draft drafted before Mm -hmm. him, just off memory. So stuff like that fuels him, and it's really what made him a great player. So that brings us to Cleveland at four. We're just talking about Cleveland going Mm -hmm. against Draymond in those finals. So they originally take Deion Waiters, who it was a weird pick at the time, kind of, because he's only a six-man in college, but I guess the Cavs Mm -hmm. saw something in his heat-check scoring his ego in the pros was what kind of allowed him to succeed at times, but also held him down. And he didn't last long once LeBron came to Cleveland. So they traded him for JR and Amon Schumpert, which obviously worked out great for the Cavs.
0: Yeah. Goes you to your funding, by the way. Like consistency.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Got to Dion later in the draft, more specifics about him. So obviously I'm gonna take Bradley Beal in his place here, pair him with Kyrie, which is an interesting fit. Like neither of them are exactly like top-tier defenders, obviously. Kyrie would have to yeah. be more of a facilitator in that situation. Not sure how that would have worked. You know, Draymond in Cleveland would have been interesting. Cause that's who I had here. Now that I, now that you made that pick though, LeBron Kyrie Bradley Beal. Oh man. And they still could have probably traded for Kevin Love in some capacity, or maybe someone similar to Kevin Love, maybe slightly worse. Cause maybe they don't get Wiggins yeah. if they have Bradley Beal, but you know, I I think that LeBron, Kyrie and Beal would have been a really interesting fit together. And I'm kind of glad you took Draymond third now, even though I don't love the fit with him with Wall. I kind of like the yeah. idea of Bradley Beal with LeBron and Kyrie.
0: The one issue there is I don't know who's going to play defense in the front court with Beal and Kyrie, but I mean Tristan Thompson
1: LeBron, Tristan Thompson's still there, yeah. but
0: Yeah, well or no, they're in in the backcourt I mean with Kyrie and Beal. Oh yeah, the yeah, They're sure. not guarding anyone. Sure. But I don't know. Do you think LeBron would still go there if they had Beals? Like, Do you think LeBron was automatically going back to Cleveland? Because I don't know. I, you know I do, I mean?
1: because like, think of it this way. I mean, what changes in this world of this redraft by Bradley? It only makes Cleveland more appealing. Because Dion was still there when LeBron went. He won a, one more final, mm. then he lost the final. And then he goes back to Cleveland because Wade's getting older, Bosh. And-
0: I don't think he went just to go home. I think he went because he knew the Heat's window closed. So I guess that would stay the same, and I yeah. assume he'd go to Cleveland. So that's obviously better than Deion Waiter's and then you can get more for Beale. I just think it's a weird fit with like a lot of great offense with no defense. My honestly, I didn't even have Beal going fourth. I had him like I had Chris Middleton over Bradley Beal for the See, I think
1: that's insane. I won't lie. I think Beal,
0: that's I do. Okay. Here's the thing. Beal, I think alone is a better show than Chris Middleton. Yeah. However, now Chris Middleton could put a champion on his roster, but Chris Middleton, three-time All-Star, okay? Way better 3 and D, okay? He can hit. He's a 50-40-90 guy. Beal, we think, has a good three-point shooter, but efficient-wise, he's not that efficient from three. Not but as good as you think. He
1: shoots a lot of them, though.
0: He shoots a lot, but Middleton's a 50-40-90 guy. In this world, I'm assuming that LeBron goes there. If I'm LeBron, I'd rather have Chris Middleton with Kyrie than Bradley Beal. If there was no Kyrie, then I'd want Bradley Beal. But I think with that situation, I'd rather have the – efficient defender and shooter of Chris Milton if you know LeBron's coming.
1: Okay. That's, I, I hear what you're saying. Here's my counter to that. And just to walk it back to, like, we kind of skipped over Beal's early beginnings of the Wizards. You know, he has the fit with mm-hmm. wall. He had some injury issues, but he was still scoring, like, 16, 17 a game. The Wizards decide to max him despite the injuries, and then he, he instantly becomes, like, not injury-prone anymore. And that leads to, like, that 2017 – Wizards team that had that war with the Celtics in round two, one of my favorite player series. Yeah. Bradley Beal was incredible in those two playoff years with the Wizards, like 17 and then 18, that first round series the year after. He was awesome in those playoffs. He's averaged 30 points a game twice, which like is really impressive. And he's made all NBA third team in 2021. He, after wall got hurt, he was able to shoulder the burden of being the face of the Wizards he is a decent creator. Averages five, six assists per game over the past couple seasons. I just think Bradley Bill is a flat-out better player than Chris Middleton. That's just my opinion. I don't really, I, think I don't that, really see it as a discussion. In my opinion,
0: I think if you're, if you were picking for the Wizard or not the Wizards, if you're picking for a bad team, Bradley Bill makes a lot more sense. But if you're Cleveland and you're have Kyrie, my whole thing would be build around Kyrie, let him become the player he has to be, and then have LeBron come. I think Bradley Beal takes away from that. That's why I was like – I had Bradley Beal going third in my first version of this draft, and then I moved him down to fifth because I just think Middleton makes more sense for the Cavs. And yeah. so, like, he had 23 points something in that championship run in the playoffs, in the oh, finals yeah. he, at least. He was very That's good. good. I, he, trust me, He could score, too. And I just think that Bradley Beal is – like, imagine Devin Booker before Chris Paul got there. That's what Bradley Beal is now. Bad team, but gets his own stats guy. And when they were good, he also doesn't defend anything. And I watched him when him and Westbrook were on the same team. It was a Westbrook team, but then Beal was a scorer. I would want someone who is a better role player. But I get exactly what you're saying, but I would like the known commodity that lets Kyrie grow as a player more than Bradley Beal.
1: I think the problem is that we've only seen Bradley Beal on a real contender one year. So we don't know like... Say Bradley Beal, hypothetically, was on in, in Jordan Poole's spot with Golden State. Yeah, I feel like he would be yeah. awesome. But I think that – I I don't know. It's interesting. We, we disagree, but we, we kind of made All our right. points. So moving on to five, the Sacramento Kings, you know, veterans of the lottery process. They originally take Thomas Robinson, a Kansas big, when they already have DeMarcus Cousins and a couple other big man role players. Thomas Robinson gets – About 15 minutes a game in his rookie year, gets traded at the deadline to the Houston Rockets. They don't want to play him because they're trying to make the playoffs. Then they waive him to make cap space for Dwight Howard. He winds up on Portland. He's okay there. Winds up on the Sixers. He was on the process Sixers for a couple months. He actually, that was the best stretch of his career. And then he kind of washes out of the league a year or two after that. A terrible spot for him, but he's probably not even going to go in our redraft at all. Maybe late, but we'll see. So I think you already made clear who you're going to take here, but who you have taken in instead of Thomas Robinson?
0: Middleton has to go here. The issue here is that no matter what, whoever goes to the Kings is going to be terrible. <laughs> I feel like that's going to be the issue. Um, so I feel like this is a worst case for Middleton. I actually like Bradley Beal here because I said, hey, the team's going to be terrible anyways. It's just like he's on the Wizards. But now we have to go with Middleton, 3 D with his own shot creation. And then the team had Boogie Cousins at this point still Tyreek Evans Marcus Thornton was still scoring for them. Marcus but, Thornton great call. Yeah. I actually remember him getting traded to the Nets and I actually liked him a lot. But oh, Marcus Middleton Thornton could, he's, a good, he's a good player. Yeah, he actually was. He better than you think. Um Middleton, 50-40-90 guy, that's rare. He was he went to the Bucks in the Brandon Jennings trade, but that doesn't happen here. Um three-time All-Star, which was actually kind of surprising, but like he's yeah. an All-Star three times, you know. And when he's there, he's just a very consistent shooter. I mean, the Kings are never going to support him. I just felt bad drafting any player to the Kings in this yeah. one, but who knows? Maybe they get Middleton. Boogie Cousins won't leave because maybe they change every single thing about the organization. I already talked about Middleton. I think he's really good. I think that he's not as great as the only player in on a team. I think he's a great number two alongside like shooting and defense because that's exactly what he does. But yeah, I think it has to be Middleton, right?
1: Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Milton should go. I had him fifth on my board. So okay. he goes third. he's another second round pick in this top five, 39th pick. He was from Texas A&M, which I didn't really know or remember. Like you mentioned, he was on the Pistons. He gets traded with Brandon Knight for Brandon Jennings, which is a trade that the Bucks won by a huge margin. Lethal three and d player. You didn't mention, but he's also a pretty good passer. He's like five, six assists a game yeah. over the past few years couple injuries over the course of his career this year in the playoffs his injury really hurt the bucks and then he had a 2017 he tore his hamstring if you remember that and then he came back and then Jabari got hurt so all year that year the bucks uh oh were my missing God. The- yeah, Howard was awesome that year. He was mm-hmm. the
0: third piece of the missing of the big three for the Bucks yeah. that never developed. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, he was averaging 20 a game that year before he got hurt. And then Coach Bud comes, and that's when Middleton becomes the player he is now. He makes the all-star team. He's averaged 18 points per game or more every year since 2016, besides the 2017 year where he was hurt. And yeah, I mean, champion, all-star. Middleton, I think... I'm, like you said, I'm not sure how he would fare without Giannis, per se. I mean, yeah. those, those guys kind of came up together because, like we mentioned, Wilson's first year with the Bucks was 2014. That's Giannis's rookie year, and they kind of grow together from there. But, yeah, he's had a great career. He's still going. He's probably going to stay with the Bucks for most, if not all, of his career going forward. So I'm interested to see if the Bucks win another title, but he's certainly, I think, the right pick here. All right, this brings us to the sixth pick which was originally Portland, and they had this pick from the Nets because the Nets traded an unprotected first-round pick for Gerald Wallace, who never had another good season in his career. So obviously they take Dame here originally. That's not possible. And I don't see a replacement for Dame as like a lead guard on the board. So instead I'm going to go best player available. And to me that's Harrison Barnes, who goes seventh from North Carolina originally. Uh, this, North Carolina has a ton of players in this draft, as we'll get to. Golden State takes him seventh. He has a great playoffs his rookie year, but then Igudala comes. He moves to the bench, struggles. But when Kirk comes in, he switches that. It's like how he sw- he switched David Lee and Draymond, and then he switches Igudala and Harrison Barnes. The death lineup is born. Barnes is the small ball four, Draymond the small ball five. But then when KD comes, Barnes has to leave. Dallas gives him a huge contract. He puts up 18-19 18-19 a game for a couple of years and then gets traded to Sacramento during the game. If you remember, that was crazy when he got traded in the, in the middle of that. the game. And then I think actually the last two years, I know he's not in a winning environment like Golden State, but I think the past two years have been the best years of his career. Efficiency wise as a scorer, he's been really valuable. A lot of Sixers fans wanted him as like some sort of weird Tobias Harrison Barnes swap. I don't think it's going to happen, but You know, it would be nice if he could get back to a good team because I think he proved with Golden State he could be really helpful. I will say he sucked in the twenty sixteen finals, but overall I think he's the right pick for Portland here. And in my opinion, I think the draft falls off after here. I'm not sure how you feel about that though.
0: Okay, wait. I'm sorry. You had Harrison Barnes, right? You threw me when you said I'm going best available and then you went Harrison Barnes. You don't think I I think the best available is the guy who went to Two-time All-Star NBA team, one of the greatest rebounders in oh, history okay. was Andre Drummond. Okay. That's where I thought you were going with that, because I looked at that, and I'm like, when he said best available, I'm like, all right, he's going Drummond. I thought it was going to go Drummond, too, because they already have Marcus. Discussion. Yeah, because I was like, all right, Drummond, I think, has to be considered the best available considering he's been a two-time All-Star with the yeah. All-NBA 13. team. He had his highest <laughs> was sixteen rebounds a game. I don't think he's a great fit at all for the Blazers. Maybe they trade out or something. But that really yeah. surprised me there. Um, I had Harrison Barnes going ninth in this draft. Really? Um, I don't see it. I, know, I, just, I just think, think I feel like his offense was solid, but then when he's on his own team, we okay, nineteen point two with Dallas was his career high. I don't know. I feel like he's just you know a good three and D wing, just like a really poor means Middleton. Middleton. Yeah. But like, you know, that would be my interpretation of it, but okay. Um, yeah. All right. So if we have Harrison Barnes going there, that's a better fit than Drummond is. Yeah. I'm just surprised at that's your view of who's best. I would I say, it's, like, I don't know.
1: I think it's best because Drummond was, you know, he made the all. I, I well when we draft Drummond, I have a lot of thoughts, but And he's on my sixers Mm. this year, obviously. So I have I saw him play. Yeah. He's a great rebounder. He's just he's born, he's in the wrong era. I think Barnes had he had a slight window where he was the best player on the Pistons. But if you take all 10 years, I think Barnes has been better, more usable in the current NBA. And being on Golden State, he's accomplished more as well. So I and right now I think he's like I said, I think he's been really good the past two years. So and my—that's the way I see it. But I understand your point. Drummond has the yeah. all-stars, all-star, in the yeah, all. I will say,
0: yeah. Barnes on Dallas was also like underratedly good, like nineteen point two and eighteen point nine, like per game. And then with the Kings, I mean that doesn't really matter, my opinion, because sixteen, <laughs> fourteen, like you know what I mean. Like, yeah, it's sac- just Sacramento. They don't—they're not doing anything. But like, I would say I, his like
1: his efficiency was worse with Dallas, but his points were higher. And it's kind of yeah right
0: now with Sacramento. Yeah, exactly. But, like, in 2016, he had nine points a game in the whole playoffs. 2015, 10 points. He, he did
1: suck in the, yeah. the Cleveland like, series. When Cleveland maybe
0: won. that's, like, what I remember him as. But I, I don't even disagree that strongly. I thought we were going to argue the fit. But, all right. Um Yeah,
1: Golden State on I the clock gonna, now. They just lost Barney
0: yeah, Originally. Okay. Well, okay. Well, this changes things up now. <laughs> um They already have Bogut, though. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. do they – And David like, Lee. I don't even – and they had David Lee, so, but like Bogut was their center, and yeah. Drummond can't play next to him. So mm-hmm. honestly, all right, hear me out. I have a they need they, they don't they don't have Draymond Green in this scenario because Draymond's already taken. Yeah, you get Jay Crowder to take yes. over the Draymond oh, role. That's you exactly the same who thing? I had. All right, cool. I didn't know if those was be that out there, but three and D wing with Curry Thompson. I don't know if they they might have, I think they lost Monte Ellis uh, going into this next yeah, year because they traded Green. him.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: So that's when they got Bogut. um they need shooting and wing defense because they in this situation they don't have harrison barnes they don't have draymond so they have their shooting and wing defense some teams that crowder's on he does not work at all like cleveland or whatever but harrison barnes i thought would have been like a safer pick but he was off the board anyways Uh, his career high was 14 points a game but like he's a reliable 10 points a game we see him like he's still playing well now for the suns too just great defender three-point shooting i'm very happy that you also had him going here
1: I I think Jay Crowder is such a good fit here. I love his career trajectory. It's so interesting because he goes – he's another second-round pick. He goes actually the pick ahead of Draymond in this draft, 34. Mm -hmm. Dallas takes him. Doesn't get a ton of minutes. He gets traded to Boston in the Rondo trade. which Also sent Dwight Powell to Dallas. So it was kind of like Dwight Powell for Crowder, which is kind of weird. But anyway, and then he becomes a trusted 3 and D guy for Stevens, who Mm -hmm. Stevens loved Jay Crowder. He played a ton for him but he gets traded with Isaiah for Kyrie. Cleveland, weird fit with LeBron. I'm not even sure why it didn't didn't work, work, but it just didn't work. Goes to Utah in a trade deadline trade, and then he's on Memphis. He was okay for both of those teams, but then when he goes to Miami and then signs with Phoenix, now he's been on three teams that had deep playoff runs. He's on an Eastern Finals uh, Boston team, and he's been in two finals back-to-back years with Miami and Phoenix, and he's on a really good regular season Phoenix team this year. Number 99 is also really cool. Like he's just kind of, you know, was the trailblazer for that number in the NBA. So, yeah, I think he's proven to be a winning player um, with pretty much even Utah actually had, I think, a second round exit with him. So I think he's just been a winning player for all of his career. And, yeah, I think he's certainly not as good of a scorer as Barnes, but Barnes is only averaging 11 a game with Golden State anyway. So I think he perfectly fits in with Golden State, what they wanted to do.
0: Yeah, I think, okay, cool. I'm very happy on the same pick because I yeah. thought he was a perfect fit. So, Jay Crowder could take Golden State.
1: Yep. So, it goes to me. Eighth overall, Toronto Raptors. This is a weird time to be the Raptors. So, they have DeRozan, but he's not even close to being the DeRozan we know quite yet. I think this is mm. Kyle Lowry's first year there, but he's coming off the up and down Houston tenure. They take Terrence Ross originally. And Terrence Ross, you know, he's not a bust at all he's had a good career as a like spark plug six man type uh and he's also a great dunker with the raptors he's a he's a great athlete at first with toronto but you know not top top 10 worthy i don't think he was the he's the right pick in the redraft so i'm gonna go with evan fournier here at number eight and the fit the fit with derozan maybe isn't perfect but i also think derozan has proven he can play forward i know that's later in his career but he evolved into that So I think it can work. And Evan Fournier starts out with Denver, kind of is just a bench guy. He gets traded for Aaron Afalo to Orlando and becomes really a a consistent scorer for Orlando for like six, seven years, 17, 18 points a game. Boston trades for him at last season in an attempt to save their season. It didn't work out. Uh, And now the Knicks overpaid him. But, you know, for his magic tenure, I think he was a really consistent outside shooter, close to 40% from three, if not over most years, and he can score the ball. And I think for Toronto at that time, I don't know. I think it could work. Maybe he becomes the sixth man that Terrence Ross was. Maybe he's the shooting guard. DeRozan's the three. Either way, I think, you know, they have Jonas Valanciunas coming over as well. So really most of that team stays intact. And I think everyone can agree that Evan Fournier is better than Terrence Ross. Hell, Terrence Ross was his backup in Orlando. So I think... Doesn't yeah. really change much for Toronto. I wouldn't pick Drummond here because they have Jonas. So I think that's my reasoning for Evan Fournier.
0: Yeah, I think Fournier has to go above Terrence Ross. I'm just surprised Drummond's still on board at this point, but like he doesn't fit in any team. Like there's no team that looks at like Drummond in the modern band and goes, Oh, I really want that guy that can't shoot, and can't space. But yeah. I guess mm-hmm. Evan Fournier is the right pick. I mean, DeRozan and also Terrence Ross are really similar. and I think yes. Fournier is a better fit there. I mean, so yeah, I. Th- have no issues with Evan Fournier. He's his career was nineteen point seven with the Magic, which was like better than I thought. Solid guy, take a lot of the offensive load. I had him going uh, ninth actually, but okay. that's fine with me.
1: So that brings us to nine, the Detroit Pistons. And you were mentioning no team in the modern NBA would want Drummond's skill set, pay for his skill set. Well, there is a team, as the team that drafted him, the Detroit Pistons. And is he? Are you going to pick him here?
0: He has to go here. Yeah. Uh, he has I to. I had him here. Yep. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, you could try to take another forward, but this team was, I think this team was like, was this the Greg Monroe team? Yes. I could check Greg right now. Monroe and Drummond were yeah. together. Yep. Yeah. So that's a terrible fit. But I mean, Drummond could come off the bench. Well, the thing that but, made it
1: even worse was Josh Smith. Like, all three of them together was like Horford, yeah. Tobias, and B level mismatch, like of a fit.
0: The Pistons, at, this year was when they had Greg Monroe, Brandon Knight, uh, yeah. Ronnie Stuckey was there. Right. Prince. I mean, 50 cent. Yeah. Like I, I found the site that tells me like all the team's rosters that next yeah. year. And it was actually so funny to look at. Yeah. But yeah, draft Drummond, you know what you're going to get from him because it actually happened. He's right. going to become like one of the greatest rebounders. But i already talked about like, 16 points or 16 rebounds a game is absurd. I mean, yeah,
1: it is. Wh- it's, it's one of the best yeah. of the last 20 years. It's it might even yeah. be the best, the highest. Cause you don't have Rodman and- getting 19 anymore
0: yeah i mean he was all nba 13 the fact that you have an all nba player going this late is just crazy but it just shows how much the time you changing the issue with drummond was they always thought he could be like one of their best players and like scorers and everything because he's he's so good at what he does they thought he could do more but yeah i think it has to be drummond so right
1: i agree yeah, yeah. and just to yeah. wrap it up Like you said, so Stan Van Gundy comes as the coach, I think about two or three years into his career. And he kind of just wanted to do Dwight Howard 2.0 because he coached Dwight, he made the finals. And Mm -hmm. Drummond just wasn't that guy on either side of the court. He was good. He made an all-NBA team. The Pistons, he led the Pistons to the playoffs in 2015 where they were swept by the Cavs, but they still made the playoffs. Um, Made an all-NBA team. Here's a stat. So from 2014 to 2021, Andre Drummond... Average 13 or more rebounds every single season. And he led the league yeah. in rebounding, as you mentioned earlier, four times. I don't know where he goes from here because the Cavs trade nothing for him, which showed his value as like a, on the salary he was at. Cavs gave up John Henson in like two seconds to get him. And Cavs buy him out the year after. He goes to the Lakers, doesn't save their season. They get <laughs> bounced by the I Sun. Yeah. And then he comes to the Sixers and everyone was making jokes because Embiid destroyed Andre Jordan Mm -hmm. making fun of him with the Pistons back in the day he was a great backup center this year he was the best backup and beat has ever had and we had to put him in the Harden trade unfortunately leading to the DeAndre Jordan nonsense and the b-ball Paul like not playing b-ball Paul stuff but Nets he was the starter for the Nets at the end of the year now he's gonna be a free agent I'm interested to see what his value is I think he got his value back a little bit and you know I think he'll be a good backup center for the rest of his career but yeah, that's why I had him low. Cause I think he's had a decent yeah. four or five years, but you know, he's only like 30 and he's already kind of done as his prime. That brings us to the Hornets once again. So the Hornets have this second pick. Uh, they got it from the Clippers in the Chris Paul trade, but it's originally from the Timberwolves. This is such a random trade. So the Timberwolves had traded the pick along with current Sixers assistant coach, Sam Cassell, to the Clippers for Marco Yarich and Mario Chalmers' cousin, Lionel Chalmers. So that's how this pick wound up with the Hornets. They originally take Austin Rivers, who was a huge recruit coming out of high school, goes to Duke, wasn't a total disappointment, but he also didn't quite live up to expectations at Duke. And we'll get to more of him later, but he didn't succeed with the Pelicans, but he succeeded later in his career. But I think the pick here instead to go with AD... You're probably not changing your, your ceiling that much by this pick, but I think Will Barton here is a really good pick. Uh, good athlete, good, solid enough 3D player. Drafted by the Blazers, 40th overall. Uh, didn't really play at all for them. They trade him for Aaron Affol. another Aaron Affol trade. We just had Evan 48 now we have Will Barton. Uh, goes to Denver, and then he's been with Denver ever since And as both a six-man and a starter. I think he's been pretty consistent. Gives you 12 to 15 a game. And, you know, Will the Thrill, if you remember that nickname when he's in the dunk contest. Yes, I do remember Will
0: the Thrill. (laughs) I remember on the dunk contest, they said Will the Thrill. And then one of the commentators said, I think I said, I've never heard that. He must be the only one calling himself that. Yeah, yeah. So hardly.
1: Right. You know, he's been injured some years. Uh, Mm -hmm. I looked at his playoffs. You know, Denver's made the playoffs, but his playoffs specifically because of injuries, he hasn't been a part of all those runs necessarily. But Mm -hmm. I think he's a solid player. And I think it's the right pick here.
0: I like him with the ball more in his hands. Just like maybe he could do that for the second unit, but he's actually a pretty good playmaker. He could shoot some years. I mean, his career high is 15.7 a game. I feel like at this point, all these guys is really about like, who do you like more? But they're all pretty similar. Right. Um, yeah, solid pick. I actually like Will Barn a lot. So, okay. I mean, that's a solid pick. I mean, all these guys here are pretty similar.
1: Yeah, I agree. So that brings us to another team with two picks. Portland, uh, your pick here. So Portland, Oh, this is Portland's actual pick. Cause we already said earlier that they got yep. number six from the nets. So originally goes uh, Myers Leonard, who I will say was okay at times for Portland. We know he is now <laughs> unceremoniously mostly out of the NBA after he uh, exploited himself as an anti-semite on Twitch. So he won't be getting drafted here, but uh, who do you have instead?
0: Okay. I'm very happy that Terrence Ross is still here. Cause okay. before I did not know who to take. So I'm going to go with Terrence Ross here. I think it, it's a pretty good fit. I mean, they in this scenario, they have LaMarcus Aldridge, and then before Ter- they took Harrison Barnes. Terrence Ross is a uh, more of a scorer. He could be the shooting guard. Harrison Barnes is small forward. Ter- Terrence Ross, three-point shooter, crazy dunker, kind of huh. like DeRozan's kind of game where he could dunk and also shoot, but not as good. Um, career high was 15.6 with the Magic, but it seems higher. I'd go with uh, Terrence Ross here.
1: He had that 50-point game in his second year in the league with the Raptors, maybe the most random 50 yeah. of all time. And like I mentioned earlier, starts out with a more ath- athletic guy on Orlando. He's more of a three point shooter, uh, spark plug. Uh, he was in the, tr- mm. he's actually in a huge trade for the Raptors because they trade him for Serge Ibaka, which pretty yep, much leads nice. to the championship. I mean, obviously Kawhi, more leads to their championship. But yeah. Serge was, Serge killed the Sixers in that oh, series. He was a
0: huge part of that
1: Amazing. Run. That was a big trade for the Raptors. So it kind of makes that pick originally uh, worth it. So he goes to Portland here. You know, I agree with you because I think DeRozan kind of stole his spot in Toronto, and I think he would have been able to score earlier in his career more if he was in a different scenario. And without Dame in Portland, I think this is a great fit for him. That's really all I have to say about him, but he's a good player. He's a solid player, had a long career.
0: Yep. Terrence Ross off the board.
1: Yep. All right, so that brings us to the Houston Rockets. So they originally take Jeremy Lamb but then he's in the Harden trade. So Jeremy Lamb never plays for the Thunder. They trade him with Stephen Adams. Well, the pick that became Stephen Adams a year later, yep. and then Kevin Martin for James Harden. So you took Terrence Ross, who I originally had going here, but he would have just been, I think hypothetically, like no matter who gets picked here is still in the Harden trade. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'll give the rocket slash Thunder. I'm going to take Austin rivers. I'm actually going to take him here. So Austin Rivers starts with the Pelicans. As I mentioned, big high school recruit. CJ CJ and Lehigh upset Duke in the tournament. New Orleans takes Austin Rivers. He kind of falls out of favor because Eric Gordon, Tyreek, Drew Holiday, he kind of never gets a a shot. And then good old Doc Rivers trades for his son. Everyone makes fun of it. But lo and behold, Austin Rivers becomes a really good defensive guard. After Chris Paul left, he even averaged 15 a game the one year. and then. The Wizards uh, trade for him, they don't really use him a lot for what, some reason. Mm-hmm. So then he gets traded again, he goes to Houston, and then he, he plays like a lot of minutes for the Rockets and was a really valuable backup for Chris Paul. And now he's on the Nuggets, he also was on the Knicks briefly. Uh, still solid, maybe not as good as he was three years ago. I like Austin Rivers, I think he's a good defensive guard. Uh, he's the kind of backup guard that a team like the Sixers have needed for a long time. And then one more thing I forgot about. <laughs> He has this 41-point game in the bubble uh, with Houston, which is probably the high point of his career. So,
0: oh, my yeah, God, also I was remember that because was, that was when Westerk was injured. I had also going way lower in my list. Interesting. But um, <laughs> I, the advanced numbers do hate him. And Myers Leonard were, <laughs> like, the bottom two guys in, like, one category. Of like, I think it was okay. wins above replacement. They're, like, bottom two.
1: Spoken uh, like a I true think Jokic celib- MVP voter with these wins above replacement. <laughs>
0: But anyway. Yep, sorry about that, Joe, by the way. <laughs> I didn't offer my condolences. Thanks. Um, but solid backup, heat check backup. Yeah, <laughs> Rivers I think is fine. I just think I mean there's I think a lot of other people that have like higher upside. I mean, I if I was the Rockets, I'm picking Jeremy Lamb and not changing anything just okay. so I get harder You know hard what I
1: mean? Exactly. Okay.
0: Yeah. I mean it doesn't really matter for Houston for OKC, you would probably want like I don't even know who they'd want, Like Jeremy Lamb was okay with OKC, but it was really like afterwards, Jeremy Lamb did yeah, better. But Charlotte, he was yeah, also Rivers is fine. It's hard to like argue over these picks when they're all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're okay. I, they I've always liked them. So.
1: That's just my, it's just my yeah. taste, I guess. So now moving on to the 13th pick, the Phoenix Suns. They originally took Kendall Marshall, another uh, North Carolina player. Mm-hmm.
0: This is the next year where they have Drogish, lose Nash. Um, yeah, I guess go with Jeremy Lamb here. He's still on the board. Lamb doesn't develop for a few years, but he's a career-high 15.3 score with the Hornets. He's a solid scorer, and he can shoot. There's yeah. not much. of I mean, he's actually a decent mid-range guy in his own, too. Just take a guy, Jeremy Lamb, you know what you're going to get. He's going to be a solid scorer. There's a bunch right. of guys like this.
1: Yeah, we touched on Jeremy Lamb, literally last pick. But, uh, you know, it starts with the Thunder, up and down a couple years. Goes to Charlotte. Uh, Becomes a really good bench player for them, giving him about 10 10 a game. Then his last year, I think it was, he did average 15 a game, like you said. Signed with the Pacers. He's dealt with some nagging injuries and he's also had an ACL tear, which is a big injury. But despite that, he's still, when he has played for the Pacers, he's still been pretty solid. And then he got traded to the Kings this year in that like, what was it like? a just just Oh, it was the Halberdyn trade, right? I think he did. So yeah, so now he's on the Kings. I think he's a free agent this summer. But, yeah, like you said, good good, sh- good shooting guard, solid three-point shooter, good mid-range shooter, uh, up and down defensively at best. He also had that half-court shot yeah. against the Raptors. Remember that when he yes. won the team? That was, that was funny. Yeah, I remember that. But, uh, that's pretty much the highlight of his career. But, yeah, I mean, Phoenix takes him. He doesn't get traded. He gets to stay with the team that drafts him here. And uh, briefly on Kendall Marshall. So he's one of the weirdest players in this draft. And I know about him because he played for one of the process Sixers teams. So the Suns barely play him. Then he's on this, the Lakers the next year when they stunk. And he averaged like eight, almost nine assists a game, which is really random. And then he was on the Bucs as a backup, towards ACL. And then the last year of his career in 2016, he was on the Sixers, or maybe it was 2017. Either way, he was on the Sixers, and he barely played. And his dad was complaining on Twitter about him not playing. And then that was the end of Kendall Marshall's career. So shout out process legend, Kendall Marshall. There's a lot of process sixers in this draft, but he did not live up to the expectations of being a lottery pick. So Jeremy Lamb, I agree. Good pick. So that brings us to the end of the lottery. Number 14, the Milwaukee Bucks. They originally took John Henson who played there for a long time uh, for another UNC guy in this draft, a good shot blocker, good rebounding center. The one year with Giannis, he started almost every game and played like a lot of minutes And, you know, I'm not going to take him here, but he had a solid career. I'm going to take a guy who went undrafted originally in this draft. That's Kent Bazemore from Old Dominion. I think he's the only NBA player from Old Dominion ever. I don't even know where Old Dominion is, but he's kind of, he's worn a lot of hats in the NBA, so to speak. Starts out as like Steph Curry's buddy, who's like this bench warmer on the Warriors. He winds up on the tanking Lakers where he averages actually his career high points It was only like 20 games, but he still averaged like 13 a game. Goes to the Hawks, good bench player on that 60-win team that lost to LeBron. Then he becomes a starter with the Hawks, and that was all fine and good until the summer of 2016 when the Hawks gave him a giant $75 contract that he shouldn't have gotten because everyone was getting overpaid that year. But he's a solid 3-and-D player, had some good seasons. Then he goes to Portland. He sucked there. Then he got traded to the Kings for Ariza. And then last year with the Warriors, he was actually pretty solid. But then this year with the Lakers, he was really bad. And that that birthed the whole, like, Kent Bazemore is ready if needed meme that Rob Perez has been tweeting about how Kent Bazemore never plays. But, yeah, I mean, with Atlanta especially, I thought he was pretty solid. And you put him on the box, he'll give you some defense. You know, they don't have Middleton. Obviously, you can't replace Middleton. But maybe defensively he can give you a little something on the wing. So what do you think about that pick?
0: Ken Basemore, I wrote solid three point shooter on defense. Would be viewed very differently if he didn't get a massive contract. If he always made like seven million a year, it's like wow, Ken is really yeah. good. Yeah. However, because you got that massive deal, he's always viewed as one of the most overpaid players. So think yeah. in a different world where he doesn't get that massive deal, it's like wow, Kent Basemore, solid three point three and D guy. So yeah, solid pick there come off the bench or maybe if they, if they still get Giannis the next year, who knows, but yeah, for sure. could fit with that team. He could, we've seen Giannis with three and D guys. That's what he needs. And that's what works so well. So
1: definitely cool. this brings us to the Sixers. Now I'll let you make the pick. Cause it's not that consequential of a pick for the Sixers. So that we originally take Mo Harkless here, and he never plays for the Sixers because he's in the giant Andrew Bynum, Dwight Howard, Andre Iguodala, young talent, four-way deal that nobody won. I guess the Magic won because they got Vucevic. So, but other mm-hmm. than that, no one really won that trade. He was a good uh, 3 and D wing throughout his career, mainly with the Blazers. So who are you still taking him here or do you have someone else going?
0: Yeah, I'll take him here. Um, when it starts, really, like it's a big transition year. But Drew Holiday, Thaddeus Young, we're still there. Drew Holiday. I mean, you can't even like build around Drew Holiday because it's like he's not that good enough to be like your main guy. That's why I'm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Maurice Hawkins is a weird three point shooter where some years it was good, some years terrible. He's a defensive pick though. Wing defender makes sense, and and it turned out right for the Sixers. So I guess you wouldn't want to change that. The other guy I consider taking is like Jamichael Green could also work, but yeah, just. It worked out for the Since the trade
1: happened, might as well just keep it in place. I mean, yeah, like you don't want to mess it up. Right. So, like Mo Harkless, so he'll still go to the Magic. Decent rookie Mm -hmm. year. Then Scott Skiles comes and buries him, and that leads to Portland getting him for nothing. And then he would like we mentioned earlier, that Portland team that made the conference finals, Mo Harkless was a starter for. And then he's dealt to the Clippers. When When Paul George was hurt in his first year with the Clippers, Mo Harkless started a lot. But then they traded him to the Knicks for Marcus Morris, and then he's been on the Heat and the Kings as well. So, you know, just mainly on Portland, also with the Clippers a little bit, good 3-and-D player, can impact winning at its best. And yeah, I think it's the right pick here. He's had a solid career, still going strong, even if it might be coming to an end soon. So yeah, I agree with that. Keep it all the same. Keep the process going, even though you know the pain of the process. Maybe, maybe if we made a different move there, maybe it would have changed some outcome for the Sixers 10 years later. But we're going to keep it as it is. So moving on to number 16, Houston Rockets. This is via the Knicks. Chris, try to guess how Houston has this pick. What trade?
0: Is there a Jeremy Lynch trade here?
1: It is not. It is from the Tracy McGrady trade. First round pick of the Knicks. So Wait, I thought was that, that was... was...
0: this year that Jeremy Lin went to the team?
1: Um, Yeah, this would be Jeremy Lin's first year at Houston. But they signed him, I think, not a trade. The Rockets have this pick from the Knicks, and they originally take... This is my favorite pick in the draft. They originally take Royce White, who, <laughs> you know, he, I think he went to Iowa, and he was a really good player in college. But his troubles are well documented because he was scared of... He had a fear of flying. He, he didn't want to fly with the team he would take buses and at the end of the day that became so much that he really never really had an NBA career I think he only plays in like five games at most in his NBA career he was on the Sixers briefly but never played in the game for the Sixers but he was on the process Sixers roster in the preseason one year just because of that he's a huge bus he barely played so instead of that I'm going to take Jamichael Green here because I think he's a really nice fit with Harden. and kind of gives you what you wanted from Royce White, Is this like rebounding? Post presence, uh, big man. He actually went undrafted as well, kind of like Kent Bazemore. And he mm-hmm. had a really good career at Alabama. He was a four year senior, averaged 13 7 and almost two blocks. He played 123 career games. He's a good, he has good hustle and motor. Sometimes he can make threes. Uh, and he's been a solid <laughs> role player for the Grizzlies, the Clippers, and the Nuggets, all, all good teams. So I think he's had a solid career for an undrafted guy. And I think he's the right pick
0: here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I like him with the Rockets. He can shoot, as you said, years is a good three-point shooter. His high was 10.3 points per game, though I think that was when he played less, but solid backup or at least a small ball five. And then mm-hmm. he had the rebound, and then the Rockets, we know, like end up doing small ball in a way. And then he's going to have no pick and roll option with Harden, but just like another big guy for Harden to kick the ball out two for three once they get Harden. So right. I like the pick.
1: Yeah. So you got the Dallas Mavericks here who originally take... Tyler Zeller, but Tyler Zeller never played for Dallas. Um, oh, what, it, what it was, actually, it's a draft night trade. So the Mavericks traded this pick, and they got two later picks from Cleveland. So Tyler Zeller okay. drafted by Dallas, but immediately traded to the Cavs. Um, not much to say about him. He's another guy in this draft from the North Carolina. Uh, just like, you know, a prodding big. He could score in the post, but as the league evolved, he became less uh, useful. So who do you have instead of so- Tyler
0: well oh, you yeah. or maybe so you'll take
1: Tyler Allen, but it's your pick.
0: <laughs> so what Dallas is this tank, is this player going on Dallas, or are we assuming that they'd keep the pick here?
1: Um I guess it's Cleveland because it's a draft pick for draft pick trade. So I guess you're trading this player okay. to
0: Cleveland. Okay. So this player is going on Cleveland, and then our situation they already have Bradley Beal and yeah. Kyrie. All right. Yes. Yeah, that okay, that's fine. Uh I'd go with Tomas Sadaransky here. Okay. Because the team's young, but he's—I don't know if you remember this—but he won't play for a few years, right? Just because he was in Europe, right? So he's a good big guard that can actually like play make as like a—I think he's like six seven. So he'd come off the bench, and then two young guys, Bradley Bill, Kyrie. He's not going to get in the way because he's not going to be there anyways. The team's not going to be a contender for a while. Uh, when LeBron comes, <laughs> you know, they told us to get off the bench. Solid pick. He's big enough, which helps with the size. And then assistant playmaking for bigger guy. I think that's just a good trade to have.
1: Yeah, so Tomas went 32nd. So he's the second pick of the second round to Washington. And they held his rights all the way to 2016. So he still gets to play with Bradley Beal in this universe. Six foot seven point guard. He, he eventually became the Bulls' uh, starting point for, for a couple of years. Shout out Tom English. We actually like, talked about Tomas Satoransky on our mock draft podcast the other day because I was asking him about Tomas in prep for this redraft. But, um, you know, one year with the Wizards, he shot 46% from three, which is probably only like two or three attempts, but still pretty solid. And, you know, last year he sucked with the Pelicans, but then went back to the Wizards at year's end and was okay. So maybe he's getting his career back on track. And yeah, overall a good, solid, uh, do everything backup point guard. He can pass, he can score sometimes, he can defend. So yeah, I, I like the fit there with Cleveland. And yeah, I think it's a fine pick. Nothing wrong with Tomas. Plus, He's a if leader. Dallas
0: gets to make the pick, that's another foreign guy that they get to pick. So you know, it yeah, all makes for sense
1: for sure. So if Dallas is keeping it, they get their white guy for sure. All right, so that brings <laughs> us to the Houston Rockets. So we already had a pick for them. Uh, They took Jamichael Green, and they also had another pick, which they trade to the Thunder. Um, So they keep this pick. According to my research, they have this pick. Uh, It's Utah's pick, but that that was dealt to the Timberwolves in the Al Jefferson trade. And then Daryl Morey, being the great GM that he is, he gets this pick by trading Chase Budinger, who was like a decent backup forward most of his career. So shout out Daryl Morey for being the king of all trades. I am going to take here. So we have Jermichael Green and Terrence Ross. Is that correct? For Houston? Or no, Jeremy yes. Lamb. Or Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers. Or, but Austin Rivers is traded yeah, on the Thunder. So okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's just Jermichael Green. It's, it's just Jermichael Green during the Thunder. Yes,
0: definitely the- Jermichael Green.
1: Okay. So I'm gonna take I think it's time for Dion Waiters to come okay. off the board here. I know he's Thank a weird you. he's a weird fit with Harden, but he's going to have to come off the bench and he's going to have to eat that. And you know what? Deion Waiters could use a hu- some humbling early in his career because maybe it would have helped him uh, pan out a little better. So I'm going to take him here. And, you know, Deion, like we said, he's the fourth pick in this draft. He's a six-man at Syracuse. And he's had up and downs throughout his career. You know, Cleveland. He's paired with Kyrie, which is kind of an awkward fit. Doesn't really work out there. Gets traded, as we mentioned, for Shump and JR, a big trade for the Cavs uh, when they win the title. And then he's uh, the six man for your Thunder for a bit there, you know, up and down. And then he signs with the Heat. And the Heat start out that 2016 oh, 17 season. Yeah, a, a roller coaster of events for Dion in Miami. Miami starts 11 and 30 that year. But then they finished 30 and 11, and it's a big part because of Deion Waiters. Waiters Island is born. They have the 13-game win streak. They beat the Warriors. Deion has the game winner. And Deion Waiters' mania was born in Miami for that season. He was scoring, like, I think he won player of the week one week. He was averaging, like, 17, 18 points for, like, a two-month stretch. But then he gets an ankle injury at the end of the year. And then from there, he has a lot of ankle injuries over the next year or two with Miami. and then. What really did him in was the whole um, edible situation on the team play, which leads to him going to the Lakers and actually winning a championship with the Lakers. But he barely played. And, you know, he just had he had some fun moments, obviously, especially with the heat in 2017. He had a couple other fun moments as well as a heat check guy. But overall, he just up to expectations as the fourth overall pick.
0: I think it's a great pick. I, well, okay. the one issue is Dan Waiters in Houston. Who knows? I really like Dan Waiters. Uh, I would love to see him. And I liked him in Cleveland, too, because, like, it's Cleveland. You know, it's like Miami starts off great. But, yeah, I don't like, you know, some guys like Harden, like, stuff like that. Would, who knows what they do? I would like them in a dead city. But Dan Waiters, great pick. I was waiting to take him. I probably would take him soon. Um, Yeah. Well, actually, you didn't mention, though, the actual Houston pick was for Terrence Jones who was like the, oh, the second gotta, youngest guy.
1: I am so sorry. I forgot to talk about, I love Terrence Jones. I know me too. <laughs> Terrence Jones was I, so good because, dude, and he is, he was, he had such an injustice against him. You know, he had some injuries at Houston, mm-hmm. but when he played, he was kind of like what we drafted Jamichael Green to do for Houston. He was a good rebounding uh, power forward, played well opposite Harden and Dwight. And then he goes to the Pelicans. He's averaging like 12 points a game on the Pelicans. They trade for Demarcus Cousins and then they waive Terrence Jones to so he can have more playing time elsewhere, which is really weird. The Bucs mm-hmm. sign him. He plays three games for the Bucs. A year he was averaging almost 12 points a game. He only gets three play, he gets three games with the Bucs. Then they waive him, and that's it. He has like and it, Houston brings him back for like a 10-day contract. He barely plays, and then his career is just over for no reason. He was a solid
0: bench power forward. I don't know why he would just disappeared i like terrence jones i was looking through his back oh terrence jones i looked at his stuff and it's like like the second youngest guy in the rockets to drop 30 in a game really? he had like that one really good year and then he was like playing 27 minutes a game with like 12 points per game he yeah. helped, he stayed to help kentucky win the national title mm-hmm. different situation who knows i think he has like one of the highest ceilings of these guys we've talked about in the last like 10 minutes yeah. like who yeah. knows if he doesn't doesn't get injured, doesn't get like on the weird team.
1: Well the year the, the Rockets, the Warriors first title, they beat the Rockets in the Western Finals. Terrence Jones was playing crunch time for the Rockets in that series. Like he was he was a real player. And he mm-hmm. just, like I said, vanished for no reason. So shout out Terrence Jones. You deserved better from the NBA. So moving on, number 19 pick, the Orlando Magic. Your pick here. They originally took Andrew Nicholson.
0: Yeah. Um <laughs> Orlando is weird because they, they end up with uh, Tobias Harris and Lucevic is with the gag at the end of that year. So I don't really know what they could do. There's a lot of centers left in this board. I'll just take Mike Scott. Um, yes! Had okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. This is a six-year podcast first and foremost. Yep. This is going to be the highlight. I knew you five. would like
0: that pick. Give, I'll give you the four um,
1: first before I go into my
0: – Yeah, you, you're going to steal the show in this one. But a uh, great shooter, really good shooter. Small ball five maybe, just at least a good four. Big forward at least. Uh, they already have Vucevic, but off the bench, just like a solid center. Yeah. Um, I would just say, I mean, maybe if there was like a good guard they could get, but at this point, the draft, take Mike Scott. There's not. Exactly. Just take Mike Scott.
1: Yeah, for sure. So Mike Scott, I, I another guy whose career fascinates me to no end. Real fast on Nicholson, by the way, decent rookie year, decent fourth year at the Magic. The Wizards give him four years, $26 million, and then a year later, he was so bad that they had to trade him, the Nets got rid of him, and then he was out of the league. So that contract was a big bust for the Wizards. But anyway, getting back to Mike Scott, he goes second round to the Hawks and he becomes a big bench player for the, like we said earlier with Kent Bazemore, the 60 win Atlanta team. He was really a consistent like six to eight points a game. But then in the 2017 season, he dealt with an injury and he shot terribly for the Hawks and they wound up waving him or they traded him to the Suns and the Suns waved him. So then the Wizards take a chance on him, and he freaking lights it up with the Wizards. He shoots 52-40 from the field, 40 from three. And then the playoffs, it was a first-round series. They got bounced, so it was only one series. But he shot 63%. He averaged almost 10 points a game with the Wizards. The Clippers pick him up. He's there for a bit. He gets traded with Tobias and Boban. They come to the Sixers, and a Philly icon is born. Mike Scott, all these Absolute iconic moments, you know, the Mike Scott Hive, I had a t-shirt, I had a t-shirt for a while, the three-general manager nickname, him and Jimmy Butler, they pioneered the ninja headbands, you know, he's giving out the ice cream to the kids, when he fought the Eagles fan while wearing his Redskins jersey proud at the game, saying, I ain't no bitch, at the press conference, how many great moments, egging Joel and Ben on as they kicked Carl Anthony Towns' ass, and Joel had him in a sleeper hold, that just... And by the way, also playing incredible uh, and giving the Sixers bench help for the 2019 team that, you know, obviously the Kawhi shot ends that. But we went to a game Mm -hmm. seven down to the very last second with the eventual champion. And that's the I mean, this this is the farthest we've come. So and Mike Scott was a big part of that, along with Tobias, that trade. I'll forever defend that trade. I understand Tobias got overpaid, but Tobias and not even to also get Mike Scott and Boban. I thought that was a great trade at the time. I still like it. And, you know, it sucks. Mike Scott kind of fell off his last year of the Sixers last season, and now he's out of the league. But I really think he had a good bench career as a scorer. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's my Mike Scott um, tribute right
0: there. <laughs> right, a few things there. Um, one, Tobias Harris trade at the time. Tobias Harris was balling with the Clippers. I know. That trade made a ton of sense. People like, like All we gave time, up all all was up just-
1: Landry Shamit and a first-round pick in Wilson Chandler's corpse.
0: It was not a bad trade. Yes. Tobias Harris was amazing that year, like his best season. So it made ton of sense. So I defend you there. Two, Ninja headbands, missed them. I know. Drew Holiday, Jimmy Butler were the guys that I remember with them. And the NBA was like, didn't know about them. So they just banned them. They should look back at that. And three, actually back to Mike Scott. Um, Yeah.
1: Dary- I remember, DJ was- Reddick, not allowed to wear Ninja headbands, per Jimmy Butler. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Mike Scott, Solid guy. I look at something like, you know, he could actually go higher. He's it doesn't and, like, it doesn't better help better that
1: he's things. already out of the league, though, when other guys like yeah. Lamb and people like that are still in the league.
0: Yeah. But, you yeah, know, actually pretty good. I always felt like he was underrated. So, yeah, and that was the most passionate I've seen you talk, maybe except against the uh, MB, MVP debate. But, yeah. uh, honestly, that rivaled it in terms of your like, energy on that
1: one. Bro, <laughs> Mike Scott, man, you... Sixers legend. Shout out Mike Scott, man. All right, so uh, my pick here. Come back down the earth. 20. Yes. The Denver Nuggets, they took Evan Fournier originally. He obviously went a lot higher. So this team already had some centers. They had JaVale, Kusta Kufis, But unfortunately, all the centers, all the people on the board right now are centers, in my opinion. I'm going to go with the best center I think is left, and I think that's John Henson. Kind of talked about him earlier a little bit, but he had a lengthy career with the Bucs, good rebounder, good shot blocker, plays team defense, decent enough fit with Giannis before Brooke Lopez came. Um, traded to the Cavs for George Hill and then traded for the Pistons for Drummond. And then I think injuries and also just bigs kind of going out of style kind of caused him to be out of the league, but with the bucks mm-hmm. solid career as both a bench player and a starter. So I think he's a good pick here.
0: Yeah. Uh, really good shot blocker, like better than you think. And then I mean, I had him going later, but like, it's just at this point, they're all centered, but I think of the best ones, he's like one of the better defensive ones. And then, yeah song. Don't expect offense from them, but I don't think you would be if it's Denver at the 20th pick. They already have right. Ty Lawson. They already have Kenneth Freed. Like there, yeah, man, was there
1: too. That's a good call. Yeah,
0: yeah, and then Freed's pretty small, right? He's like a smaller center. Yeah, so I mean, he
1: played power yeah, forward. So, then, in Denver, so it, I think it works.
0: Yeah, yeah. So then Hanson can at least like either do two tall guys back in that time or whatever. So I think it's a good this is thing. about to
1: be. Uh, this is the Denver team that's about to be the I think they're the third seed, but then Golden State beats them. In in yeah, the first round, that. and that kind of kickstarts Golden State's run. Well, this
0: is when Iggy was on Denver? Then went to yes. Golden State right after. Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. So yeah, um, yeah. Okay. I know John Henson could have been, been better than
1: Kufis. John Henson could have been better than Kufis. So I don't know if it changes anything, but you know, yeah, there you go. So your pick here, Boston Celtics. They originally took Jared Sullinger, who mm-hmm. you know kind of had a promising start to his career, averaged 13 he in the game a couple times, but injuries and more importantly. Like, not to make he fun is. of the guy, but his weight really held him yeah. back. And he fell out of the league.
0: So that's why this is cool doing the redraft because I found that guy. Look him up and you're like, oh my God, this guy just ate too much food in Boston. Yeah. And that was really He's it. He's in
1: great shape now, by the way. He's I like saw a picture of him in the Euro League. He, he looks great, but wasn't great. Out too late. Yeah, right. Exactly.
0: Um, Boston has the next two picks, right?
1: They do. They do.
0: Yep. Okay. LeBron is in the heat in his prime. They still have Rondo, Pierce, Garnett. They lost Real. Um, there's a lot of centers left. Maybe I feel like it, with hindsight, you'd move Kevin Garnett to the five if he wants to, but they lost Perkins. So, I don't know. They could take another center, um, but they also have the two picks. So, instead, I'll take Michael Kidd, Gilchrist. Maybe guards LeBron, second unit behind Pierce and Garnett. You know, he's not going to contribute offensively, but they already have a good team. I think if you move Kevin to the five or something, like that could really unlock the team. But I doubt they do this back in the time. I think it's a bit like Matisse-Thiable, where sometimes you're like, wow, this guy's really good defensively. And then he tries shooting the ball, and you're like, he can't play. Um, They've back-to-back picks anyway, so you could get a center if you need one. But I just think he's a good guy that could play based on the matchup.
1: For sure. I had, um, Michael Kigel go here as well. He had a lot of flaws. We talked, obviously he's a big bust in this draft. Cause he mm-hmm. goes second, but he played for Charlotte. He played, he was a starter for Charlotte for like seven years. And a big part of that he is gave
0: him a pretty solid career. Like did. He did like he,
1: he still, even with his awful jump shot, he still was able to score like nine, 10 points a game at times. And mm-hmm. Steve Clifford was his coach for the vast majority of, and that's a big part of why he played so much is because Steve Clifford values, you saw him with Orlando as well. Steve Clifford values those long athletic defenders, and that's exactly what MKG was. And, you know, he just has pesky length and tenacity, decent rebounder. You know, he can at least make a dunk in a layup, so he can give you some point. And what really did MKG in is when Borrego took over, because he wanted to change the way Charlotte did things. First mm-hmm. year with Borrego, MKG's a bench player, but by the second year, he's literally out of the rotation, gets cut. He's on Dallas, but like barely plays, and then that was it. So he's yeah. kind of just that bad on offense, and he's also like too short to be a center, but doesn't have the offensive game yeah. to be a forward. So he kind of watched out. tried playing him
0: at center on some team, but didn't work. I, it I think it was Dallas. I think like that was what Dallas was trying was to Dallas? do. Yeah. I think it was, but it didn't, it didn't it really said. work.
1: Yeah, so yeah. but I think it's a good pick here. I think Stevens could have gotten him to do a similar thing, just play some wing defense, maybe off the bench mm-hmm. instead of as a starter. But I think it could have worked. So that brings me And at to,
0: this time, though, too, the Celtics are trying to win a title. So you could like, actually play defense coming out of the league so, like, against the right. Heat or something.
1: Yeah, because he could have given this team, the 12-13 team, he could have helped. And then just a couple mm. years later with the Isaiah Thomas team, he could have helped as well. So that exactly. brings us to another Celtics pick. Uh, they have this V of the Thunder who traded to the Clippers and then it went to the Celtics. So they originally took Fab Mello, who uh, tragically died of a heart attack at age 26. He's already out of the NBA at that point. He actually only played six games. So like he was a bust. He also didn't really get a chance, but he was a very raw prospect coming out and unfortunately passed. I'm going to go with Kylo Quinn here, another former Sixer who yep. Knicks fans love him. A uh, good hustle rebounder, plays team ball, well-liked by his teammates, it seems. He was one of the many centers on the 2026ers. Didn't get a lot of playing time because he was behind Al Horford and Embiid. But and now he's out of the league as well. Another guy that I'm kind of confused. Like, I think he has okay value as a rebounder just to play 10 minutes a game sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. I think he I, I think he had a solid career, Orlando and New York especially. So, yeah, I think he's a good – for what the Celtics probably were trying to get with Fab Mello – I think Kylo mm-hmm. Quinn works better here.
0: Yeah, I actually like Kyle Quinn a lot. Um, yeah. They just needed a, like a guy for the Perkins role. Kyle Quinn's a big guy. I think he's a good locker room presence. So I don't really know, but that's what it seems like. Definitely. You can always use a good backup big. I really like Kyle Quinn. Uh, I liked him for the Celtics here, and then yeah. I mean, uh, it's funny. We like really have a. We are more similar in our picks now than we were in the very beginning. Yeah, which is just fine to yeah. me.
1: It is interesting. So this brings us to Atlanta at twenty three. Yep. They took a guy by the name of John Jenkins, who, if you look at his career stats, low-key was a good three-point shooter, but didn't really get a lot of playing time and never really manifested. Who do you got going here?
0: All right. This point in the Hawks, they're really starting to ascend. Uh, Horford, Jeff Teague, Calcover, Lou Will, Josh Smith was still there. They always seemed that one star short to me, so I feel like you could take some backup center, but instead, let's go with Terrence Jones. Because, as we talked about, he looked really good when he was playing and healthy. Different situation, maybe it works out. 12 points for him on 27 minutes that one year. Won a national title with Kentucky. Maybe different situation guy. There's a whole bunch of backups available, but injuries and effort was, like, the main thing talked about him. But I think he is, the by far, the highest ceiling of anyone here in Atlanta can use that. I mean... Off the bench too. Like they didn't have Schreuder yet at this point. They had a very good starting lineup. I mean, I would you could take like Myers Leonard or something, but I mean, I think Terrence Jones just because at this point in the draft, they don't need any like contributing from their the guy. I think anything that give you is a benefit. I think this guy's the highest ceiling.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, we kind of did Terrence Jones earlier. I had my mm-hmm. uh, my meltdown over Terrence Jones, but yeah, not much <laughs> else to add. I like the pick. He can kind of be where Mike Scott was with this team as the backup for. Yeah, let's do it. Terrence Jones to the Atlanta Hawks. There we go. All right. Moving on to the Cleveland Cavaliers, but this is going to Dallas. We mentioned that earlier. Um, They originally took Jared Cunningham, who pretty much was a nobody. I do remember that randomly he was on the Cavs and like LeBron apparently liked him. And that's why he made the the 15 man roster. (laughs) That didn't last long, though. So clearly LeBron didn't like him that much. So here, you know, I could give Cleveland Zeller like they actually got, or I could go Myers. They both have their ups and downs. Like, I'll I'll just go Myers Leonard because he has the outside shooting. Here's what I'll Mm -hmm. say about Myers Leonard. You know, he had injuries like one year with Portland. He would play like 20 minutes a game. And the next he'd be out of the lineup or only playing eight minutes a game. And then it's the opposite again. And that was kind of an up and down thing for the beginning of his career. His last two years of Portland, he really was a big part of the bench. If you remember the 2019 Blazers, we mentioned earlier, Golden State, their ass. But in game four in the sweep, yep. he had 31 points, yeah. which was
0: so random. I remember that. Yeah, that was a 2K card on my team. Was it okay? Yeah,
1: I think I was. Yeah, it was a
0: Diamond Myers Leonard. I, I
1: remember that. Yeah. So, and then the Heat have him. And it, do you remember like the Bubble Heat would start Myers Leonard every game for no reason? Like
0: that, it was uh, weird. Honestly, I watched a lot of Heat Bubble basketball, and I was the I was like the one guy. I'm like that doesn't fit the Heat culture vibe to me, but whatever. No. no. Yeah, That um, like, was. He's one of those guys that, that's like big and looks really good, but like you're like, wow, that big guy can shoot. Like he never like actually shot the ball. He had a very low usage, which is good, but like he needed to yeah. do more than on defense he was. His his best year
1: for. was like eight points and like five rebounds, which is fine. He, he was an okay bench guy, yeah. uh, could make the three. Obviously, he, he he ruined it for himself though. Cause he all he would have been remembered as is like big white guy who could shoot threes, and now he's gonna well, be remembered one really as an anti semite. He's out of the league because of it, and yeah. Like, come on, Myers Leonard. The one thing I will add, um, we need to talk about Portland's 2016 summer because a lot of those guys are in this draft. Talked about Mo Harkless earlier, and I think he was worth the money because he's an actual starter for that team. But they pay Mo mm-hmm. Harkless, Myers Leonard, Alan Crabb, Evan Turner,
0: Helen Crab,
1: And we'll get to him in a bit, but Festus Azili. They pay all of those yeah. guys for no reason. Evan I think Turner it's a big, it's a big thing. Alan
0: Crabb had huge deals. Oh yeah, God. like
1: it's a big thing about Dame. Um, like we talked about earlier, not having an A plus supporting cast, you could pay. I w- I say like you could have paid Mo Harkless and Allen Crabb. Let the other three walk. Like why 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 spend all that money? But that's the summer of twenty sixteen. Everybody was overpaying. But yeah, that's kind of Myers Leonard's legacy.
0: Yeah. So Myers Leonard to Cleveland. Yep. Um, or da- um, Dallas.
1: Uh, however you see it. Yeah.
0: All right. Now we're twenty five. This is Memphis. Is Memphis right? Uh. They get right, get, get ready run. for
1: get ready for another Sixers related rant, but go ahead. Okay,
0: um, let's see. At this point, they just they have a great starting five of Conley, Tony Allen, Rudy Gay, Zach Randolph, Marcus All. Um, yeah, and they're about
1: to trade Rudy Gay for Keshawn Prince, which was a big deal. Yeah, just,
0: yeah. Let's see. Uh, I'll just take Jared Sellinger, who actually ended up going okay. to Boston, but we talked about him before. Solid. A very good offensive rebounder three straight years of 10 plus points athletic when he was smaller different at this point you know a backup whatever is going to be fine but if you're in one of these teams you need like one more guy who knows yeah. maybe different situation thrives because we saw he was very solid when he was yeah healthy and playing so how do Jared just, go to uh memphis
1: for sure and like I had him a little lower, but just to add on, he so after the Celtics, he signed with the Raptors. Got hurt, he broke his foot, and then he actually got traded as part of the PJ Tucker trade for the Raptors. But the Suns immediately cut him, and that was it. But I just thought it was an interesting tidbit. But yeah, I mean, sure. Even with his weight, it's not like he was terrible because of his weight. He still scored. It just kind of yeah. caused him to get hurt, and he fell out of the league. Exactly. So yeah, I, I think that's fine... have like
0: foot injuries. That's a lot of yes. weight-related stuff for right. like a bigger guy.
1: Now, real fast, though, the man the Memphis Grizzlies originally took was absolute process legend, Tony Roten, who Memphis, I guess, didn't want to play, somehow winds up on the Sixers the year later. And him and Michael Carter-Williams, I mean, they're, they're, they're the captains of the ship for the tank. Tony Roten, especially in 2015, he was averaging 17 points a game. He couldn't make a three to save his life. He was out there slapping the floor on defense. And it all came down to a crashing halt, a sad halt, when he tears his ACL, loses his athletic burst, plays eight more games the year after with the Sixers, and we cut him. And then he never plays another NBA game. And it's really sad, and I love Tony Roten. He'll always have a special place in my heart. Yeah, just that's my eulogy for Tony Roten's career. But he was such a fun, energetic player on those 15-win teams. I loved him. Yep. (laughs) All right, moving on to my pick Indiana Pacers. They really, they originally took the uh, not Mason, Miles Plumley, the most forgettable Plumley. I guess Marshall's yeah. more forgettable, but I think Marshall, yeah. because he went to the military and was better in college than Miles, is actually more memorable. So, Miles, yeah. in my opinion, most forgettable Plumley. I will say he did start for the 2014 Suns, who won 48 games. But other than that, he got totally overpaid by the Bucks. For some reason, he kind of stole John Henson's role for a year. We were talking about that earlier, uh, but he wasn't that great. He's very slow footed, big, decent rebounder. That's about it. I'm going to take Jonathan Simmons, another former Sixer. Uh, the Spurs kind of plucked him from obscurity. He was overseas for about three years after this draft. Um, if you remember the 2017 Spurs, the year Kawhi gets hurt in the playoffs, but Jonathan Simmons yep. actually played a lot for them in the playoffs, was making threes. Mm-hmm. Leads the Magic to sign him. He's okay with the Magic. And then he's traded alongside the first-round pick that would become Tyrese Maxey in exchange for Markel Fultz. And then he did absolutely nothing on the Sixers besides being another Simmons along with Ben on the team. But he was on the 2019 Sixers with Mike Scott. So,
0: you know, for I the... I remember him. Less. Yeah,
1: like his 2017 playoffs. And then his first year with the Magic, he actually averaged 14 a game. On bad efficiency, Mm. but he's still averaged 14 a game. I think it's an okay
0: pick here. It's going to be Miami with 27, right?
1: Yeah. Number 27, Miami
0: Heat. Yeah. All right. They just won the title. Best with the small ball five is what we learned. Bosh playing the five. Chris Anderson's on the bench. They don't need another big. I think the best guy available who's not a big is Darius Miller. LeBron is best with shooting around him. Darius Miller can shoot. Injuries were an issue, but he shot around 40% like twice in his career. He, um, you don't need much around like the heat don't need much, but you could always just use more shooting around LeBron. And Wade also had a little bit LeBron to him where it was like driving and kick out to three. Darius yeah. Miller is the best non-center left in my opinion. So I'd pick him. I think that's a good pick for the heat here.
1: Yeah. He had a weird little career because he was on the Pelicans for a couple of years, but mm-hmm. then it wasn't spectacular. He went overseas and then when he came back to the NBA, he went back to the Pelicans, which was interesting But we talked about the 2018 Pelicans earlier with Davis. He actually played a lot for them and was making like 40% of his threes. That's pretty much the highlight of his career. But, you know, he's currently a free agent, but a decent three-point shooter. I think that's a fine pick for where we are. Another Sixers thing. The Heat originally took Arnett Moultrie, who was a total boss for (laughs) the six years. Injuries and suspensions limited him. He also wasn't good and wound up out of (laughs) the NBA. So Arnett Moultrie for you. So that brings me to the Thunder at twenty-eight here. So they uh, took Perry Jones the third from Baylor, who was supposed to be this like athletic three and D guy, just wasn't good enough. He just didn't live up to what he could have been. I just realized mm-hmm. we um, we kind of let Tyler Zeller fall a little here. Yeah. He had a couple decent seasons. I think with Cleveland one year he averaged eight, and then Brad Stevens' second year in Boston, Tyler Zeller actually played a lot. Uh, he averaged like ten points a game that year. But as I mentioned earlier like just the way the league went he just wasn't he he was already like an iffy post defender and then he just became too slow. He had a couple years where he could score in the low post. For the Thunder, you know, Kendrick Perkins wasn't doing much for them at that point. So maybe Tyler Zeller could have swung a playoff series randomly one year. Give Tyler Zeller, another UNC guy to the Thunder here.
0: At this point, there's a lot of just good backups. I actually probably would have taken Festus Azili because of how good he is, like, when he's healthy. Yeah. But I think if you just need a solid backup, Tyler Zeller's solid. Uh. It's, so, it's so funny watching this because, like, if you have Serge Ibaka, if you're the Thunder, you'd move him to the five and have him shoot. Right. Like, that, then they should yeah. do that. <laughs> it's just so funny, like, how it worked out. But all these teams at the end, I forget how good they were. Like Durant, Westbrook, Kevin Martin was a really good shooter yeah, for them. Yeah, Kevin Martin. Ibaka, yep. yep. Richie Jackson off the bench. This team was really good, but, like, I mean. Tabo, Tabo. Uh, Tabo so Salosa was there, yeah. too. And it's just, like, and they also just lost James Harden. Yeah, Tyler Zeller's fine pick there. Um, anything else about that or no? No. <laughs> Sorry, Tyler yeah. so. All right, cool. All right, yeah, your, your last uh, pick, 29. Chicago
1: Bulls. They originally took Jeff Teague's brother, Marquise
0: Teague. Marquise Teague, yep. Chicago's team, this was the D-Rose injury season, right?
1: Yeah, he missed all of this year. This is Nate Robinson. Yeah, his playoff run. Yeah.
0: Yep, that's what I had. So, the year before the or the number one seed, Rose gets injured against the Sixers. Sixers win the first round. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's it
0: Sixers. <laughs> they had Lue well and we took Carlos the Celtics leaders. to seven. You did take the Celtics to seven, which is what a um, run. Imagine if we could have that I, much fun now. <laughs> Uh, well you could just have Doc Rivers saying that no one expects uh, you guys to get there and therefore it doesn't matter um, that being hey, said he also acted like you guys now. he acted like the Sixers were an 8th seed but anyways enough about Doc we all day. Carlos okay. Boozer, Joe Kim Noah, Nate Robinson, Jimmy Butler Rip yeah Dalton, Jimmy Butler yeah. like that team was good And mm-hmm. the issues the fact that you don't know, have Derrick Rose but yeah. alright I'll just take Miles Plumley here you could always use a backup center you know 8.1 points, 7.8 rebounds, I think, were his highs. He could dunk and he can rebound. Yeah. That's a really basic skill, but you know, you need someone that can do it. I loved Mason Plumley when he was on the Nets and he was literally was in the dunk contest one year. Yeah. I remember doing Oh, a I'm, I'm a rebuild. big Mason
1: guy. Miles, yeah. Miles wishes
0: he was Mason. I, know, I was like 12 or something. I was doing a two key rebuild with Mason Plumley, averaging 30 <laughs> points a game because I literally what? like did him <laughs> over Brook Lopez. Because of that, I'll pick his brother, Miles Plumley. Um, Eight point one points, eight point rebounds is actually pretty solid. You need, yeah. I don't know what else to say besides yeah, had, basic backup his, center.
1: From twenty thirteen to twenty fifteen, he was fine, productive enough. Once the Bucks signed him to a four, like, I have it written down four years, fifty two million, like that. Oh was, my god! And he he was also involved in the dumbest trade in NBA history. Ready for this one? So the Bucks traded him to the Hornets for Spencer Hawes and Roy Hibbert. I saw that on his Wikipedia, <laughs> and I just started laughing. But yeah, yeah okay, Miles Plumley, yeah, he'll get he'll get you four rebounds in thirteen minutes for this Bulls team. So there you go. Exactly. Um, actually, real fast, Marquise Teague, another guy who spent time with the process Sixers, only in the preseason, but he was on the Sixers. So, and speaking of the Sixers, brings me to my last pick, Golden States on the clock. So they got this pick from the Spurs in the Richard Jefferson Stephen Jackson trade. So there's that. Um, They took Festus Azealy originally. This is the crazy thing. Golden State really risked everything they've done because they could have taken Draymond here 30th. It was only five picks earlier, and they didn't. They took Festus Azealy. And all it takes is the Wizards taking Draymond over Tomas or the Mavs taking Draymond over Mm -hmm. uh, Bernard James and Jay Crowder. And everything's different, but it doesn't happen that way. So Golden State takes Azealy, who – like, he, he could block shots and rebounds, had terrible knee injuries. Like, the only year of his career that he played a decent amount was uh, the 16-year, the 73-win team. And he's actually a good backup center that year. And that's why Portland gave him, like, a two-year $18 million deal. But his knees were just so bad. He never even played for Portland. And it sucks because he was an okay backup center, just was hurt so much. He also missed all mm-hmm. of his second year. So he wound up missing a ton of time even in his short career, but uh, he was a capable interior presence. So the player I'm going to take here instead, and I swear this isn't a meme. I really think he's the best guy left. Undrafted out of Georgetown. I said before Tony Roten was the captain of the process. No, this man, Hollis Thompson is the captain of the process Four seasons with the Sixers, all losing seasons, but the man, he set the 76ers, Record at the time for three pointers made for a rookie in the rookie season. He averaged nine to ten points per game every year, except his last one when he got cut, unfortunately. But you know he was a steady. When when you were watching the Sixers, you could expect Julia Okufor, you could expect New Orleans Noel, and you could expect Hollis Thompson to be on the court. He played a ton for Brett Brown, and once again, just like Rowan, just like Mike Scott, always going to have some love for Hollis Thompson. He actually was in the league like a year ago. He was on the he was on the Kings for like a 10-day contract, which I wasn't aware of before doing the research. Unfortunately, his comeback didn't last. But I think with his three-point shooting, I un- I unironically think he would have fit well with the
0: Warriors. Mhm. Yeah, it's a <laughs> It's a you probably it's know nothing about Hollis
1: you... You've probably never I watched honestly Holostops don't, America, but
0: when you talk like... about him, I'll just take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> look um, up his
1: stats afterwards you'll see what i'm talking about
0: <laughs> i will it's just funny because it, it's like the amount of passion that comes out about anyone who played the section yeah just laugh. this is a um, sexy
1: podcast we're gonna trust the podcast right now
0: yeah. now they could uh pair him with curry clay thompson david lee and are you kidding me you know, how's thompson's Parker's taking clay's job
1: how's thompson starting <laughs> over clay
0: now nah. yeah um that's fine. Uh, at this point in the draft, you're lucky if you can pick someone who actually plays for you a few years later, because the amount of Boston people that like don't stay on the team even four years later is absurd. Right. So, right. yeah, that's fine. I, I mean, Quincy AC. Then that he was, the guy, he was the guy. He was my
1: top. He was my top. Like, oh, we mm-hmm. didn't get to pick him. Quincy AC. You know, he had a couple okay years, making threes, playing, getting some rebounds.
0: Sure, I mean, it's not gonna change anything for any of these teams but yeah. it's just like so funny just looking back at these teams being like, like oh yeah I vaguely remember that guy also yeah. do you know why I remember Marquez or I forget to pronounce his first name but the, Teague? I remember that yeah Jeff Teague dropped him in a game and I was watching it and oh, his did he? older brother dropped him and I remember yeah. that and it went viral like on my <laughs> phone it was like brother drops he literally broke his ankles and, and I'm stumbled back it, fall on the floor so that's <laughs> why I remember him so well, and that's because the redraftable thing is so fun to look at, because then you yeah. remember little tidbits like that. Yeah.
1: yeah, and just to wrap this up, I think, like, the three teams that this draft, really four teams, that this draft, like, most impacted, Cleveland, with, like, who who LeBron had with, with, with the Cavs. Yep. Uh, Portland, because they have Dame, but then also all these guys who wound up on their team at one point or the other. Golden State, obviously. I mean, Draymond, Harrison Barnes, like, and the Paris and Barnes eventually leads to Durant. So this is a huge draft for them. Um, not actually the Sixers, but it's just funny how there's a ton of Sixers in this draft. People have played with the Sixers and then obviously mm-hmm. New Orleans with Davis. I think those are the
0: four yeah. teams
1: that like really stood out in this draft. It's
0: just, yeah, interesting I mean, that. it's funny though, too. Blazers were one of the biggest like beneficiaries or beneficiaries of like how the draft actually worked. Like, cause if Dame goes second, Barnes solid, but like, it's funny because like these teams like actually had a good. They got lucky, and the only one that like actually really changes and benefits a lot more is the Kings with uh, Bradley Beal. Or uh, right. we had Bradley. to take Middleton this one instead of yeah. Thomas Robinson, but yeah, like, it was just like a really good draft when you like, look at it all the way down. Yeah. I thought like, yeah,
1: I think this is a really good draft.
0: Yeah, First the oh, one issue with all these drafts is all right. What random seven footers going 25th, and it's just like yeah, it was this issue here. But it's like funny like look at guys and see where they'd be different uh, situations.
1: For sure. So, Chris, thank you very much for joining me for this redraft. It was a lot of fun. Hopefully, maybe next year we can do the 2013 anniversary.
0: Uh Bold prediction. Giannis will go first in that draft.
1: I would agree with that bold prediction. (laughs) Hey, hey, then we can really get talking. Obviously, Giannis never would have gone to Cleveland in real life, but like LeBron and Giannis. Yeah. Something to
0: think about. That would have been fun.
1: For sure. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for joining me. And thank you guys for listening. Hopefully this was interesting. Hopefully this was a fun listen. Hopefully all you Sixers fans enjoyed all the nonsense ex-Sixers that were in this draft. (laughs) Stay tuned for more off-season content. Free agency is coming up. The end of the finals are coming up, so I'll be sure to keep up with the content. So thank you guys for listening and have a great rest of your day.